versus that. that. Dynasty versus destiny. destiny. Pythagoras said numbers rule all things. And yes, numbers rule baseball. ERA, OPS, OBS, integers, fractions, decimals. They're all part of the fabric of this great game. And in this World Series, some numbers mean more than others, like 10, 12, and 14. That's the math the Giants believe in. Third World Series championship in five years? Bingo. Bingo. Standing in their way, the Royals, looking to shed 29 years of pain. That's when this guy was king. But then sometimes in baseball, you can throw out all those numbers, except for one. Seven. As in Game 7 of the 2014 World Series, right now on Hello and welcome to episode number 65 of the Listeners from Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Pankari in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Joining me on the other end of Tin Cannon String from his palatial estates in Medicine Hat, it is the beat reporter for the Medicine Hat Tigers, it is James Tubb. Well, we've had your partner in crime, Nathan, on the show, so we'll get the other half of the Two Paper Guys podcast here so we can keep you all in line, I guess. Gotta keep it even, you know, we can't have one of us getting uh, too high and the other one too low, but uh, just glad we can uh, make this happen here, Lucas, and uh, glad to be here. All right, so the uh, the game that you wanted to cover on this episode, we're heading back. It's another baseball episode, kids. We're going to 2014 in Game 7 of that year's World Series between the San Francisco Giants and the Kansas City Royals. This is one that we had discussed, I think, about possibly doing back in one of my first appearances on your podcast, uh, off microphone, I'm pretty sure. So why did this game kind of stick out as the one you wanted to do here for your first appearance on the show, James? It's just the easiest, and it's always a game that stood out to me of just like, you could talk about this game forever and the big performance in the game of, there's no secret here, it's Madison Bumgarner and what he did. And, you know, it's a, it's a performance we'll never see again in baseball, I can't imagine. And, yeah, it's just, it's a, 2014's when I started fully becoming a diehard sports guy. And this was kind of one of those moments that defined that. So why not get to talk about it a little bit more? So let's go over to two combatants in this team or in this matchup the Giants and the Royals. Off in San Francisco, manager Bruce Bochy had been there since 2007. General manager Brian Sabian had been in the role since 1997. In 2013, fresh off a of World Series with the Detroit Tigers, the Giants go 76-86 and to finish fourth in the NL West. They rebound in 2014 to go 88-74 and to finish second in the West and earn their first wildcard spot in the playoffs since 2002. In terms of moves for the team, in the offseason, they're able to get Michael Morris from Baltimore and Tim Hudson from Atlanta. And at the trade deadline, they land Jake Peavy from Boston in exchange for Edwin Escobar and Keith Hembry. So, not crazy big moves. Like, they didn't go like a Jays 2015 all-in. But they enough big moves there, especially with the Peavy situation. Yeah, they just... It was... It, when you have the group that the Giants had at that time, the core guys... Uh, you can you don't have to make the big splashes the Blue Jays did as you referenced. You can just kind of add around to it. Mm-hmm. Your team leaders that year, a lot of those guys from that core group that had gone to World Series in 2010 and 2012. Average homers and RBIs: Buster Posey, 311, 22, and 89. Stolen bases: Gregor Blanco and Angel Pagan with 16. Win side of things: Mad Bum with 18. Also, your ER League leader to an extent at 298. If you want to get really technical, it's PV at 217 when it's coming over in the trade. Bumgarner also 219 strikeouts to the team. And your top closers that year, Sergio Romo with 23 and Santiago Casillo with 19. It is. It was a changing of the guard in the Giants that season, right? It was no longer the beard, the freak. Uh, was it the freak? It's the freak, no. It was the beard. It was Brian Beard, yeah, Brian Wilson. I couldn't. The freak's Tim Lincecum. Uh, Speaking yeah, of Tim, though, my man, Hippie Tim. There. 
<laughs> Remy, big time Remy Tim. I oh, I loved him. Let's come. I loved him for. I've loved him forever. Loved him for always. I uh, have my favorite pitcher. He will always be. I have a. Uh, you might be jealous. I have in my. I, it doesn't quite fit me as much anymore. But I have. I think it's from his oh nine or ten season. My dad got me one of his Cy Young wind shirts. So. That is a prized possession in the old Hobo uh, archives. Speaking of Hippie Tim, during the season he threw a second no-hitter, striking out six and walking one on June 25th against San Diego. Tim will also appear during this game, but Sally doesn't pitch in it. Boo! Cowards. <laughs> oh, big time, Remy Kansas City Royals, manager Ned Yost since 2010, GM Dayton Moore since 06. In 2013, the Royals had their first season above 500 since 2003 when they went 83 and 79. A decade later, they go 86 and 76 for the third in the Central. In 2014, they get the first wild card spot of an 89 and 73 record, second in the Central. Their most wins since 1989 when they went 92 and 70. This is back in the old two division days, kids. Way before James even thought of. They were seven <laughs> games back of the Oakland A's. Yeah, what a uh, 2014 Royals. We should have been more aware of the danger that was coming with the Royals <laughs> and how good they were going to be, but it was just kind of like, oh, this is maybe a flash in the pan team, and no, no, no. They were, uh, they took their lumps, and they used that the next year, mm-hmm. sadly. Um, the Royals in 14 got their first playoff berth since 85 when they won the World Series, and they're also the last team to hit less than 100 homers as a group in a season. You won't, you won't see that now. <laughs> 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 Off-season moves Nori Aoki from the Brewers in exchange for pitcher Will Smith, a name remembered in years to come. Um, team leaders average Lorenzo Cain 301. Homer's outscored in 19. He also led in RBIs of 74. Stolen bases Jared Dyson with 36. Wins big game James Shields and your Donald Ventura with 14. Danny Duffy was your ERA leader of 253 with a 9-12 record. Hmm. Shields led in strikeouts of 180 and Greg Holland of saves in 46. Any thoughts on the team leaders in that group? I mean, Greg Holland in saves. I'm just looking at him, obviously, huge Greg Holland. That bullpen, uh, Lucas, three guys with a one ERA. <laughs> and, oh. and guys that had given up homers since, like, the Nixon administration, which we'll get to as part of the game goes on here. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, guys. And just, <laughs> man, what a team. So, in terms of your standings in the NL and the AL this year, we'll kind of go a little bit more in depth in the playoffs since this is a World Series lineup. But in the East that year in the NL, the Washington Nationals win their second title in the last three years of a 96 and 66 record, well ahead of Atlanta and New York, who are at 79 and 83. For the Mets, finishing tied for second was their best record since 08 in the East. And also for the Braves, well, when you go 4 and 16 to start September, that seems pretty bad. Rounding out the division were the Marlins with 77 wins and the Phillies of 73. In the Central, the Cardinals went 90-72 for their second straight pennant. The Pirates were 88-74 to earn their first wildcard spot in their second straight wildcard game appearance. The Brewers were third at 82-80. They led for most of the season in the Central, but collapsed in the second half, going 9-16 in July, 13-14 in August, and 9-17 in September. Rounding up the Central, the 76-win Cincinnati Reds and the 73-win Chicago Cubs. Rick Renteria is fired at season's end because a certain manager got on the market. More on that when we get to the American League. And in the West, ha, what a shock. The Dodgers win 94 and 68 for second straight pennant. The aforementioned Giants of 88 and 74 for the second wildcard slot, beating out the Brewers for that. San Diego with 77 and 85. Colorado 66 and 96. And Arizona went 64 and 98. Kirk Gibson is fires manager on the injured end of the year on September 26th. He's replaced by 
fellow 8040 Detroit Tiger and legendary manager of the 2003 Tigers, my favorite worst baseball team, Alan Trammell. We need more 03 Tigers content on YouTube, by the way, kids. Oh, need more. Definitely need 03 Tigers. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on the NL that year before we get to the American League? Baseball is better when teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates are good. And that's something, that's a hill I've loved forever and will die on. That baseball is better when the Pirates are good. And I, I'm looking forward to when that comes back. And that was the season of this. And, you know, it's always crazy to see the Nationals that, that were the Nationals were good. But uh, 2014, it was just a good era in baseball, Lucas. I don't know what to say. It's not like an old man now. But it was a good it was a good time in baseball in 2014. Imagine you, this is basically me when I'm doing the 90s junior hockey episodes, kids, what James is on this episode. <laughs> In the American League, in the East, the Baltimore Orioles, with 96 wins, easily captured their first pennant since 1997. The Yankees have 84 wins in Derek Jeter's final season, their worst record since 1992. The Jays, third of 83 wins. My Tampa Bay Rays, 77 wins, their first losing season since losing the devil part of their name. Joe Madden opts out of his deal as manager in October, shortly after Joe manager Andrew Friedman left for the Dodgers. Madden is off to the Cubs. And the Boston Red Sox at the bottom of the division with 71 wins. The first defending champions to finish at the bottom of their division is the 98 Florida Marlins. And also the first team in MLB history to go from last to first to last in their division. Wow. Only, that's the Boston Red Sox difference. <laughs> in the Central, we mentioned the Royals at 89 wins. They were edged out for the Central Division crown by the Tigers. Detroit clinching their fourth straight Central Division with a 3-0 win over Minnesota on the last day of the regular season. Uh, Cleveland was third of 85 wins. The White Sox were 73 wins, were fourth. And the Twins at the bottom of 70 wins. Ron Garden higher, fired at year's end. In the West, the LA Angels go 98-64 and 64 for their first division title since 2009. Um, the Oakland Athletics get 88 wins and finish in the second wildcard slot. As discussed on episode 58 with Nathan, the A's were 59-36 and 36 at the All-Star break and made a bevy of moves, but won just 16 of their last 46 games and clinched the wildcard spot in the final day of the regular season, beating out the 87-75 and 75 Seattle Mariners. Houston ended up 70-92, the first time since 2010 they weren't at the bottom of their division. Bo Porter, the manager, was fired on September 1st due to tensions of him and Joe manager Jeff Lunau. Let's remember some scandals later on. And Tom Lawless has finished out the season as manager. And rounding out things, the Texas Rangers, 67-95. Ron Washington resigns from his role on September 5th. Tim Bogart finishes his season as manager. And the Rangers also set an MLB record using 40 different pitchers during the course of the season. Oh, my God. Poor. <laughs> think of the equipment, Lucas. 40 <laughs> different pitchers? <laughs> rip, rip that catcher unit. Anyway, uh, any thoughts on the AL standings before we move on to the playoffs? I'm just, well, I wanted to look, and it's crazy, like, we talk about, I talk about how good 2014 was, that's the only year Mike Trout made the playoffs mm-hmm. in his career, <laughs> well, obviously, because they clinched the, they got the division, but just, uh, you know, uh, Angels, how dare you, uh, Tigers, <laughs> there better be a book series about the failure of the Detroit Tigers in the 2010s, um, yeah, that's what sticks out to me there, just those, that group of teams, and how nothing became of them. And same with, even with the Orioles, actually. It's kind of yeah. these sneaky snuck by not having any success. Well, because they had, uh, I'm trying to remember, they had 2012, Davis. they came out of nowhere, um, got to the wild card series, but no they, no, they won the wild card game over the Rangers, but lost to the Yankees, discussed in the previous episode. Then, obviously, we know what happened in the 16 wild card game. And then, yeah, in the wilderness until this past year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. Because, you know, Chris Davis couldn't hit, like, a zil... Like, they learned to throw the fastball hot, 
and it's like, oh, I got nothing for you. Channeling <laughs> Rob Deere of his batting average, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, what a time in uh, 2014 AL. Mm-hmm. So the playoffs, we'll go kind of going back over the Giants and Royals here in depth and we'll touch on the other series. In the Ash League wildcard, the Giants shut out the Pirates 8-0. Brandon Crawford's fourth inning Grand Slam, the first ever postseason Grand Slam by a shortstop. Bumgarner, four hits allowed, 10 Ks, one walk. Ho-hum. <laughs> <laughs> Not even his best playoff performance that year. No. In the AL wildcard game, instant classic. Royals win 9-8 over Oakland in 12 innings. Bonkers game. The A's lead 7-3 going into the eighth. Royals get three to tie it. Get three runs, then tie it. The A's take lead in the 12th, and the Royals score two runs in the bottom half of the 12th inning. Salvador Perez will walk off RBI single. In that game, Eric Hosmer, 3-for-4 for for triple and RBI. Lorenzo Cain, uh, 2-for-6 of a double and two RBIs. And in the loss, Brandon Moss with five RBIs for Oakland, thanks to two homers. Could have done more. Could have done more. (laughs) Should have put him on the mound. Oh, P. Moss. In the divisional series, we'll start with the Giants against Nationals. In game one, the Giants win 3-2. Joe Panic 2-for-5 for a triple and an RBI. Game two, one nothing lead in the top of the ninth inning for Washington. Uh, and things go pear-shaped. Jordan Zimmerman, six days earlier, pitched no hitter season finale. Eight and two-thirds innings, three hits, six Ks, one earned run. Matt Williams puts Drew Storen in after a panic walk. Posey hits a single and an RBI double with an out. Posey is thrown out at the plate on that one. And then it goes 18 innings. Brandon Belt, Homer, top of the 18. <laughs> that ends the game. What a time to be alive. This is its going to be such a hero comment, Lucas. I watched this game from start <laughs> to end. There is a right. lot of these games I remember watching. Yeah. yeah, it was a badge of honor. I mean, it meant nothing. Your next day was shot, but hey, you watched six and a half hours of baseball. The 18-inning game is tied for the longest ever in the postseason with Game 4, NLDS 2005, Houston, Atlanta. Game 3 of the 2018 World Series, Dodgers and Red Sox. And Game 3 of the 2022, ALDS between Houston and Seattle. Let us remember some possible future games on this podcast. <laughs> games- you gotta, they got to add some dates. you got to add some years before you can go back to those. I was going to say, 2022 and 28. We've discussed this actually on the show. I feel like five years is a good time span. To let yep. things set out after that, it's like other than game of the year. Game of the year is kind of its own separate animal, but there you go. Uh, in game three, Nationals win four one. Doug Fister, guy, seven innings, four hits, three Ks. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner, six strikeouts, but it gives up two earned runs. What is this? Fail. And in game four, the Giants win three to two. Joe Panic scores in a wild pitch in the bottom of the seventh after Bryce Harper homer tied it. Uh, and the Giants advance to another divisional championship series. Or another league championship series. Bryce Harper holding the back. <laughs> More in the Nationals' journey another time. In the other series, the Cardinals beat the Dodgers in five in four games. Excuse me. The Cardinals advance their fourth straight NLCS. Pretty wild series. Game one, the Cardinals trail 6-1 after five. Win 10-9 after getting eight runs in the seventh inning. Matt Kemp hits a homer to bomb of the eighth for the Dodgers to win game number two. Colton Wong, a two-run homer to bomb seven to help win game three. And then a three-run bottom seven for a 3-2 win in game four for the Cardinals. Matt Adams with that Cardinals voodoo devil magic with a homer in that one. Didn't even need David Freeze. <laughs> no, he may come up later. We'll find out altogether, kids. <laughs> As for the ALDS, the Royals keep up their winning ways with some dramatic wins. Game one... Against the Angels, a 3-2 win. Mike Moustakas of a solo shot at the top of the 11th inning. 
in game number two. A 4-1 win in 11 innings. Eric Hosmer, who went three for four with double and two RBIs, the two-run homer, and Salvador Perez, an RBI single. Game three, much easier. An 8-3 win. Hosmer of another two-run homer. Gordon, a double and three RBIs. And for the Angels, still their last playoff appearance to date. Mike Trout hit one home run in the whole in the series. Shame, shame, shame. Should have done more. <laughs> oh, Mike. As for the other series, the Orioles and the Tigers, 3-0 sweep for Baltimore. Uh, in game two, the Tigers are up 5-2 at the top of the four inning and 6-3 after the eight. The O's score four in the bottom of the eight for a 7-6 win. It is the last playoff appearance by the Tigers to date. Noticing a trend here with teams that are... <laughs> uh, championship series Giants and the Cardinals in game one the Giants went three nothing all their runs came early Bumgarner solid again seven and two thirds of seven strikeouts and one walk game two wild game the Giants lead three to two after seven innings thanks to an RBI single by Gregor Blanco a pinch hit homer by young prospect Oscar Tavares who ends up dying tragically in game five of the World Series in a car accident at just the age of 22. So he ties in the bottom half of the inning. Matt Adams is a homer to bottom of the eighth to take the lead. Then Matt Duffy scores in a wild pitch of two outs on the top of the ninth. Colton Wong walks it off for the fourth homer of the game for the Cardinals, joining Matt Carpenter in the fourth inning for that win. That feels like a forgotten wild game. Yeah, I didn't even, like, until you brought it up, I did realize that was, like, that was, you got to pencil that in for a game. Mm-hmm. Game three, Goes 10 innings. The Giants are up 4 nothing in the first inning. The Cardinals claw back to tie it later on, thanks to a Randall Gritchuk homer. Two runners on the bottom of the 10th. Gregor Blanco bunt attempt with a wild throw at first by Randy Choate, guy, and Brandon Crawford scores. 5 for win for the Giants. Uh, Colton Wong in the loss. Strong performance. 2 for 4 with double, a triple, and 2 RBIs. Game 4, a lot tamer, so to speak. A 6-4 win for the Giants. 4-3 lead for the Cardinals in the bottom of the 6th. Giants get 3 runs to take the lead. Then in Game 5, the Cardinals lead 3-2 in the bottom of the 8th. Michael Morris with a pinch hit homer to tie it. The Cardinals load the bases on Jeremy Affel. He then retires Oscar Tavares on a ground out to get out of the jam. Then Travis Ishikawa hits a walk-off 3-run homer to end the series. The first ever walk-off homer to end a National League Championship Series. Joining ALCS walk-off homers, Chris Chambliss in 76 for the Yankees. Aaron Boone in 03 for the Yankees, and Maglio Jones in 06 for the Tigers. It's also the first walkout of any sort to end an NLCS since Kenny Lofton's RBI single for the Giants to beat the Cardinals in Game 5 of 2002. That's some spooky stuff right there. Jose Altuve would join the list of walkout homers in 2019. Watch out for that buzzer. That was also kind of a pretty good pitching matchup. Baumgartner, 8 innings, 5 Ks, 3 earned runs, and Adam Wainwright, 7 Ks in 7 innings and 3 earned runs as well. Would it just like treat of a series and you know like both jerseys easy top five in like jerseys in the league pitching hitting oh just it's beautiful and you know the batter or the pitchers are hitting as well and i can't uh, i'm just smiling thinking about it lucas Baumgartner was named nlcs mvp boo give it to ishikawa let's get things interesting <laughs> in two starts one and oh record 172 era 12 strikeouts three walks and three earned runs in 15 and two-thirds innings Right. Over in the ALCS, the Royals win Game 1 over Baltimore 8-6 to six in 10 innings. Kenzie's up 5-1 after the top of the 5th. The O's get 3 runs in the bottom of the half and tie it in the 6th. Then Gordon and Moustakis homer for an 8-5 lead in the top of the 10th. Delman Young with a pinch hit single for a run in the bottom of the 6th as close as Baltimore gets. Gordon, 4 RBIs, a double, a homer, and 3-4 for four at the plate. 
Game two, tied at four in the top of ninth inning. Omar Infante with a leadoff single. Pinch runner Terrence Gore, guy, scores an Alcides Escobar double. And then after an RBI single by Lorenzo Cain, gives him a 6-4 win. Hosmer, strong performance again. Two for four, two RBIs. Adam Jones, two for five, a homer, and two RBIs in the loss. Game three, the Royals take a 2-1 win. They move out in front and bomb a six on a Billy Butler sacrifice fly. Jeremy Guffrey gets the win, pitching five innings. Then it's the bullpen. Jason Frazier, Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, and Greg Holland combine the final four innings for three strikeouts and no hits allowed. Oof. Oof. Oh, my gosh. Bull- that's, oh, that's video game stuff, man. The, the bullpen game strikes again in game number four. The Royals take a 2-0 lead after the first inning. A Ryan Flaherty homer makes it 2-1 in the top of the, or in the, yes, I guess it would be the top of the next inning. The top of three, I should say. Uh, Jason Vargas would earn the win as the starter with five and a third, six strikeouts, one and run, two hits. Lorenzo Cain, ALCS MVP, 8 for 15, 533 batting average, two doubles, an RBI, and a ton of spectacular defensive plays. Low Cain, hard to beat. So, oh, it's really like, you can't give it to the whole bullpen. <laughs> it's like, oh, you, you, you can't cheat and give it to both Johnson and Schilling like in 01. But, again, another story <laughs> for another time. So, World Series. First all-wild card meeting since 02, Giants and Angels. In Game 1, the Giants cruised with a 7-1 win. 3 nothing off the top of the first, 5 nothing after the fourth, and 7 nothing after the seventh. Pablo Sandoval, 3-for-5 with two RBIs and a double. Hunter Pence, 2-for-3, two, two RBIs, a homer and a double. Baumgartner, seven innings, five Ks, one walk, three hits, and one earned run. Not bad. Foreshadowing a little bit. Game two, row reversal. 7-2 win for the Royals. A five-run, six-inning breaks open a two-run, or two-two tie. Omar and Dante, two for three of a double and a homer and two RBIs. And a leadoff homer by Gregor Blanco is the last round tripper by the Giants in the entire series. Game three, the Royals pick up a 3-2 win as the series shifts to San Francisco. The Royals lead 3-0 off the top of six. The Giants get two runs in the bottom half, which is as close as they can get. Jeremy Guffrey gets the win. Five innings, four hits, and two earned runs. Becomes the fifth starter in World Series history to get the win without throwing a strikeout. That, uh, okay. <laughs> Won't happen again. Uh, the bullpen once again. Herrera, now jo- Herrera, Davis, and Holland are joined by Brandon Finnegan who becomes the first player to play in the College World Series and the World Series the same year. No hits allowed, two walks, and four Ks the rest of the way. In game number four, the Royals have a 4-1 lead after the top of the third, and things get ugly. The Giants get a run the bottom half, tie it in the fifth, three in the sixth, and four in the seventh for 11-4 win. Pence, three for five, a double and three RBIs. Panic, two for four, with two doubles and two RBIs. Game number five, the Giants have a 5-0 shot performance, with runs in the second and the fourth, and then three in the eighth. Brandon Crawford, 2 for 4 of 3 RBIs. Bumgarner goes a distance. 8 Ks, 4 hits. Shut out. The first complete game shutout since Josh Beckett of the Marlins in the clinching Game 6 win over the Yankees in 2003 at Yankee Stadium. James Shields for the Royals, 6 innings, 4 Ks, 8 hits, 2 earned runs, and a walk. It's those aforementioned 6 innings. Yeah, just uh, Bumgarner. I can, you can just say his name. Just say his name. <laughs> Say my name, Baumgartner. You're goddamn right. <laughs> in Game 6, back to Kauffman Stadium, the Royals dominate. Seven runs in the second inning wraps up things early for a 10-0 win. Lorenzo Cain, 2-for-3 with double and 3 RBIs. Moustakas, 2-for-4, double, homer, and 2 RBIs. 
Rodon Ventura in tribute to his friend Oscar Tavares. Seven innings, four Ks, five walks, and three hits. Jake Peavy down his leg. <laughs> so that brings us to October 29th, 2014, from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. Thank you, American League, for that all-important 5-3 win in the All-Star game in Minnesota back in the summer. Oh, that's right. That's when things mattered. <laughs> yeah. That's when things mattered. <laughs> <laughs> was, was baseball peaking in? We'll find out. In winner-take-all games, since the Giants moved from New York to San Francisco, they've won a grand total of five 2014 wildcard game, NLCS 2012, NLDS 2012, 0-2 NLDS, and a 62 NL tiebreaker. Their winner take all losing game, losing games, losing games, 02 World Series, 98 Wild Card, 87 NLCS, and a 62 World Series. As for the Royals, they're three and two. They won the Wild Card game, of course, this year. They also won 85 World Series in seven games in the 85 American League Championship Series. Jim Sundberg's windblown triple haunting our older listeners. They also lost the 77 and 80 or 76 ALCS. In That's a little before my time, sorry. <laughs> That's before my time, too. In terms of the Game 7s, uh, the first in the World Series since 2011. Prior to that was 2002 and 01. Since then, 16, 17, and 19 for the most recent. So we finally get to the game itself. Your broadcast crew is the Fox broadcast crew in the game we're watching. So Joe Buck with Harold Reynolds and Tom Verducci, that group that lasts for a couple seasons. Ken Rosenthal and Aaron Andrews are in the dugouts. My note, needs more Gary Thorne international feed. Yeah, this is right before Maddie Baskurgeon starts showing up on a Sportsnet speech, which, let me tell you, that was a time. <laughs> so, you heard the introduction with the numbers and whatnot. George Brett also appears in that bit. Uh, Verducci starts name-dropping Bill Mazeroski, <laughs> Luis Gonzalez, Edgar Enteria, and Jack Morris. Seems like it's a big Watch game or feet. something. Yeah, pick up your feet. <laughs> the Giants... Our seven straight elimination game wins with a combined score of 44 to 9. And as for Royals manager Ned Yost, it's his third game seven in the World Series. He lost in 82 as a player with the Milwaukee Brewers and as a coach in 91 with the Atlanta Braves. Good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just don't like the look at Ned Yost. I don't like the cut of his jib. Hey, man, he was buddies with Dale Earnhardt. So for this member of the audience, oh, he's a good guy. <laughs> I will refrain from slander. Praise hell, praise Dale. So here are your lineups for this game. Uh, batting order, and then we'll get the starting pitcher. At center field, Gregor Blanco. Second base, Joe Panic. Catcher, Buster Posey. 17 hits in the postseason, all of them singles. That's, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's just really funny to hear. <laughs> At third base, Pablo Sandoval. 429 batting average in his team at space elimination. Hunter Pence in right. Brandon Belt at first. Mike Morse at DH. Brandon Crawford shortstop. Juan Perez in left field. Righties, Tim Hudson on the mound. is 14th appearance, 13 as it starts. And where to take all games is his first ever start. He has pitched in two innings in relief in Game 5 to ALDS with Oakland in 2001, a 5-3 loss to New York Yankees. Jimmy Hudson. In the Royals lineup, shortstop, Alcides Escobar, right fielder, Nori Aoki, center field, Lorenzo Cain, third base, Eric Hosmer, 20 hits in the postseason, tied with Willie Wilson in 1985 for the franchise postseason record. D.H. Billy Butler, left fielder Alex Gordon, who we'll hear later in the clip, is struggling mightily as of late. Catcher Salvador Perez, third base Mike Moustakas, second base Omar Infante, and right-hander Jeremy Guffrey. Guffrey's last postseason starts were Game 3 of the ALCS and Game 3 of the World Series. 
At 39 years of age, or 35 years of age, Hudson at 39 is the oldest Game 7 matchup ever, and Hudson is the oldest pitcher to start a Game 7 at 39 years and 107 days. The previous record holder, Roger Clemens in 2001, 39 years and 92 days. The young man's game. Yes. So, we finally get to the game itself. Hooray! <laughs> so, we start things off. Gregor Blank with an easy fly out to Kane in center. Panic of a chopper to Gordon who throws it over to Guffrey as we get Marlon's man showing up behind home plate. He's everywhere. <laughs> yes, I think this is right around when he starts showing up at all the games, too. It, it feels like it was around this time frame. Sounds, yeah, seems like it. Also, Pablo Sandoval's winking at the camera guy, so he's already in the, he's ready to go for this one. Oh, mid-season, well, should be a mid-season four, but yeah, he is, he's dialed. Yes, this brings up Buster Posey. Backgrounder, Mustakas with a diving snag, and he fires at the first to end the inning. No runners left on base. It's 0 0. That play has shook James so much, he has nothing to add. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was just, uh, it felt like it was a back and forth watch, like in this game, just watching. It was like, oh, okay, Buster, let's do it, and nothing. <laughs> Bomb of the first inning, Escobar with a hard hit ball to the left, a right to the glove of Perez. Aoki almost hit on a curveball on a 1 2 count, works the count full, the full and the pitch is low and down for a walk. Kane of a broken bad hit, not as violent as Posey, grounder to Sandoval, who gets Aoki for one, but Kane, speedy apparently, beats out the throw from Panic to Belt to get on first base. Hosmer uh, is up at the plate next. Kane goes on a 1 2 pitch, but Hosmer is caught looking at strike three. One letter left on base after the bomb in the first inning, no score. It did feel like, I remember, it's going back to a lot of Lucas watching it live and just like seeing uh, Hosmer come up. It's like, all right, they're going to grab a one doesn't lead here. And kind of like Posey there, just nope, and the game kept going. Mm -hmm. Top of the second inning, Sandoval takes a pitch off the elbow in the second pitch of the at-bat, and he's off the first base. This is important because 19 times the leadoff man has reached base in the series has resulted in 27 runs for the Giants. The 35 wow. times that it hasn't happened, they have scored no runs. Stolen base threat, Pablo Sandoval. Hunter Pence then hits a left side single, and they have two runners on of no outs. Harold Reynolds, I think a lot of kids are going to start hitting like Hunter Pence. <laughs> <laughs> All right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird boof. I mean, it's it's not like the last game we did. I got Buck Bartiz is on color, and I have a lot of time for Buck. And obviously, Vasquez a maniac. So any Vasquez game going to do is going to be great. And depending on other boofs down the line, but this one's kind of a weird boof because right after Buck had stopped working with McCarver, so it was in that weird, still trying to figure things out phase of it. And Buck's not as completely unhinged as he is down in Monday Night Football. So <laughs> it's a weird era in baseball. <laughs> on a number of levels. So Belt comes up on a 1-1, but hard hit down the first base side is foul. Then a 2-2 two, two pitch, a hard hit single. The bases are now juice of no outs, which brings up Michael Morse. Yeah, that's what you need. 
<laughs> Does it work? Let's find out. Horse in the right field. Aoki will make the catch, tagging and scoring Sandoval. Tagging going to third is Hunter Pence, and the Giants lead one to nothing here in the second. Michael Porter delivers the run. Sandoval scores after reaching on the hit by pitch. Great approach by Morris, not trying to roll over, take what they give you. Drove a ball the opposite way and picked up the run. Morse hits one to right field. Aoki backs up to get it. That allows Sandoval to score and Pence to go to third. It is one nothing for the Giants, and four people dressed in panda heads are very excited. <laughs> Pablo. That brings up our next batter, Brandon Crawford. Bullpen springs to action for Kansas City. Here's a 2 0. Fly ball into center. That will be deep enough to score Hunter Pence. Set fly by Crawford. It's 2 0 Giants here in the second. Brandon Crawford gets it done with a fly ball into center. Back to back set flies. You gotta love the execution of the Giants. No ground balls this half inning. Putting everything in the air, picking up the runs. Really good approach. That goes deep to center for Kane. An easy score for Pence. It is now 2-0 for the Giants of two away. Belt stays at first again. As you hear from Joe Buck, there's ballpen action for the Royals as Brandon Finnegan gets up and rolling. Sorry, go on, Lucas. I was just going to say, so, can they keep up that momentum? Eh, not quite. Perez ends up going down swing in a three-pitch at-bat. It is still 2 nothing with one runner left on, but it feels like momentum at this point, definitely in the Giants' favor here. And it, it, it's always that way in a World Series, especially Game 7, and it's, this sounds so cliche of me saying, but it's, it's that first team that strikes, and it's like, okay, is the other team going to answer back immediately, or are they just going to run away with it? And I think we're going to find out here, but it's, it just sounds set up like that. Of, All right, now the other team has to answer. Mm-hmm. So, bottom of the second inning, the Royals come up. Billy Butler up the middle for a single. First pitch of the next at-bat, Alex Gordon does this. A guy who had a three-hit game in game one of the ALCS, since then hitting under 100. Three out of 32. Royals need him to kick it back into gear. He hits one into right center. He's got just that. In a roll of the track, all the way to the wall. Here comes Butler. The relay by Crawford. the ball in the middle and doesn't miss it. This ball starts to run back over. Instead of starting at it and coming back over the plate, it started in the middle and stayed out there. And he drilled it in the gap. Are you guys ready to fasten your seatbelt yet? It just has that feeling, Tom, doesn't it? It does, and the size of the ballpark allows Billy Butler to score from first base. Her defense just could not cut that ball off. It's a deep hit to right center field that goes to the wall, and we get the most exciting play in sports. Billy Butler rounding the bases. 
On the relay, it's too late from Crawford or to Crawford from Pence. It's two one on a double for Alex Gordon. I, I need a hundred yard gaff, prime Billy Butler, prime Pablo Sandoval, Deion Navarro, like Prince, like guys. Ben, uh, Benji Molina. Oh, actually, Benji probably wins. Yes, he's got the heart. He's got the heart. So that brings up Salvador Perez. On the first pitch, he gets hit right above the knee, and he is a hurting unit on the left leg. Eric Kratz gets name dropped. Guy, but let's go. <laughs> As per- Guy, oh, everywhere, man. Yes, the, the reason that he is referenced, because Perez has played 158 games, including playoffs, as the most ever by a catcher in one season. As that's happening, Jeremy Affel is getting set to warm up in the pen, and he's joined by Tim Lincecum. Harold Reynolds then starts comping Perez. He gets up to Willis Reed. Calm down. The game's only in the second inning. <laughs> Salvador Perez was in this game. You'll see like, it after, later. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, after all those games, man. And especially late fall in Missouri. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Well, mid-ish fall. It's late October. You know what I mean. Yeah. Moustakas then flies it out to left. Perez throws it to Sandoval at third, but Gordon just beats it out and there's runners at the corners with one out. That brings up Omar Infante. Fonte, in the air to center, Blanco the catch, the throw, here comes Gordon, tucked in! Now, great job of getting the ball in the air. Gordon's going to score. You kick the ball around all you want to do. The Giants, Salvador Perez, going nowhere. Infante again, keeping the ball in the air, not getting the ground ball. He might not be stealing bases, but Alex Gordon just stole a run by tagging up from second base to get to third. Infante flies out to center. Blanco's throw, I don't think he would have gotten it home, but Hudson nonchalantly sticks his glove out and hits it down. Posey looks at him like, the hell, man. It's a 2-2 game. Game within a game. You got a mental space. That's what A-Rod was trying to do all those years. (laughs) That brings up Osiris Escobar. First pitch, base hit under the diving Sandoval, and Perez just wobbling the second with that leg. It's still bothering him. That ends things for Tim Hudson. More in his stats later. And in comes Tim Lin- Oh, no, it's Jeremy Affel. I'm disappointed. You know, <sighs> yeah. However, this is, now. this is probably the right move. Affel is 21 consecutive postseason scorers innings, the third longest all-time by a reliever. Is that all right? Is that good? I guess. Though you are bringing him into the second inning of a game for the first time in his career. It is. It's kind of sneaky how, like, bad this pitching is in this game or how many like it's just so unconventional in this game it feels like whenever you I mean it's kind of changed out a lot of ballpen games and that kind of thing but it definitely feels like everything's just thrown out the window convention wise were Ned Yost and Bruce both ahead of their times who's to say more more on that attempt. yeah more on that in a couple innings so that brings up Nori Aoki he chops it up the middle and Crawford is there to snag it on the bounce and get Escobar on the force 2-2 tie game and the Royal Stranded pair. And that momentum the Giants had, 
It's switched already. <laughs> if you're a believer in momentum. The widow meter is flipping. <laughs> yes. Was that even a thing in 2014? I'm trying to think. Oh, I was still a... I, nope, I don't know, Lucas. That's What was I doing in 2014? Nothing smart. What was I doing in 2014? I was in, I was just up the road from me in Airdrie, so... I was I was in Ontario, so we were we were a little apart. <laughs> yes, uh, top of the third inning, Blanco hits it up the middle. The Guffey threw an easy out. Panic is then caught looking at a pitch inside a cutter for strike three. Then Posey swings that one well out of the zone for the third strikeout for Guffey. Still two two heading to the bottom of the third. It kind of felt like he was like, uh oh, Giants swung first, Royals swung back, and here comes the Royals. Royals keep that up at the start of the third inning. Kane of a good eight-pitch battle then hits it out to Penson right for a single. That brings up Eric Hosmer. Here's one up the middle. Panic, what a play. Gets one and saves it first. Unbelievable diving play by Joe Panic to take a hit away and almost get two. And also to recognize who's running in Lorenzo Kane. If he goes to the glove, back to it, he may not get Lorenzo Kane. He flips this out of the glove, knowing the speed of the runner at first base. He goes back to the bare hand. Kane gets that much closer. This is a terrific play. And that is first and third in a, in a heartbeat if that gets by him. Bruce Bochy may want to look at this play. I'm not a big fan of the hit first slide to first base. Number one, you risk injury. And number two, you don't give an audible sound to the first base umpire. He's listening for the bang of the ball in the glove and the bang of the foot on the base. By sliding in head first, it's a more difficult call for the umpire. Well, I think what happened here with Hosmer is he slowed down. He's out. And I, I, if he runs through this one, he makes it. I'm not as adamant as you can't ever dive head first, but I think he slows down on his dive. It's almost like he was diving into a swimming pool instead of shooting on a, on a tarp and shooting past the bag. Jerry Meals is the umpire in the replay room back in New York. The play is officially under review. It's presented by Samsung, and this certainly looks like it will be the first successful manager challenge in World Series history. It will belong to Bruce Bochy, and this will be one of the best double plays you'll ever see turn. Spectacular. What they'll look for in the replay room is when the ball touches the glove of Brandon Bell. Doesn't have to close on it. As soon as the baseball hits the back of the glove, he's assumed to have control of the baseball. like the heel of the hand was in the dirt the fingers still up in the air of Hosmer and for the young guys up the middle in the game seven panic to make that play flip it out of his glove and then Crawford is so good with the arm so strong to turn it that looks to us like a four six three double play and we'll see if New York agrees and that play is all instincts you don't sit there and say oh okay I'm gonna flip it out of my glove now that is just pure instincts of knowing what's going to happen. I, I think they're going to call this an out. And if so, it's two out, nobody on with Billy Butler coming up. All the while, Affelt is taking more warm-up tosses. Another look at it. And I haven't seen anything to suggest that Hosmer's safe. How important is this call? <laughs> they're taking their sweet time to make sure they get this right. 
think we've seen enough looks at it. We do have a few cameras here tonight. Yeah. So they got uh, multiple choice. They only got like 45 or something like that. I mean, there you go. That's as definitive as it gets. But we still wait. You know, one of the things baseball's talked about is installing the super slow-mo cameras in every ballpark at first base. About 80% of the challenges do occur at first base. I think that would be a great investment. But this, unless they can't connect to New York, I mean, this is too long. Well, Tom, I thought it was interesting, your point, that the umpire is listening for sound. We always hear that. And that's the beauty of the World Series. When Lorenzo Cain, when we see the verdict, we'll come back and say this. Right call's made. Hosmer do it. 4-6-3 double play. Let me show you Eric Hosmer on, on the dive. He slows down. I'm going to show you full speed what he does. He's going down the line, and now when he gets here, it looks like he slows to dive because he arcs in the air. Most times when you're still in the base, you see a guy slide. They slide through the bag, right? He didn't slide through the base. So in that case, yeah, running through the base would have been better off for you. Yeah, I don't like the play at all. A grounder up the middle, diving snag by Panic, rip his belt in the process. He flings the ball out of his glove to Crawford and is and the throw is beaten out by a sliding head first Eric Hosmer. However, the replay shows that he was beaten out, and the first ever manager review is overturned after about four minutes or so, and it is a two-out situation. Well then, there goes a, a switching on a dime. Baseball is forever better or worse because of this the first ever manager is in the World Series. Lucas, you tell me. Um, let's put it this way. I like it more than the junior hockey 30-minute offside review where they don't tell you on the PA that it's being reviewed or why it's being reviewed. Touche. Also, did Joe Panic Sneaky have one of uh, Pablo Sandoval's belts that broke? You know, or is that odd oh, the next year with the Red Sox? Carry on. <laughs> also, Sorry, also touche. We'll get to Sandoval's <laughs> a bit later on. Um, so, Billy Butler comes up. He gets a nine-pitch battle. Works the count full. Hard-hit grounder, grounder at Crawford. Ends the inning. It's still 2-2. Two, two. And at this Breeze. point, the window meter is broken. <laughs> Breeze, Giants fans. <laughs> Top of the fourth inning. We cut to a shot of an empty Gatorade cup during the at-bat to start. So, good work, Fox Production team. Gotta, get them, gotta make that sponsor <laughs> Yes. Sandoval, right after Harold Reynolds says, I don't know how to get him out. I'm not sure how the Royals do either. Well, it almost happens. A chopper goes to Infante. He barehands it, but he loses it and slips and falls in front of Ho He slips and the ball falls in front of Hosmer. Pretty tough break there. Kelvin Herrera starts warming up in the Royals' bullpen. Uh-oh. Hunter Pence then hits out the center. It drops in front of Kane for a base hit. The 12th in the series, tying the Giants' World Series record set in 1912 by Buck Herzog. God. Let's, yeah. learn, let's learn about a guy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Well, first of all, I do have to tell you that there's a mound visit with pitching coach Dave Elliott with two on and no outs. And also, gorge yourself with 14 hours of college football on FS1. Oklahoma, Iowa State, Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, and Utah, Arizona State. You could play as all those teams in NCAA 14. Hey, what's the, the next year, right? There'd be another game coming out in NCAA 14, 15? Wait, no? Oh. About that. <laughs> I thought playing by that point in the series. It's a two-off for NCAA 
video games. Yes. So, uh, Herzog, by the way, um, that record, of course, um, we talked about already. Um, <clears throat> he also would go on and he, he, pl he played for a lot of teams. Giants, Boston Doves slash Rustlers, Giants, Reds, Giants again, Braves and Cubs from 1908 to 1920. He then later was a man, he was also a manager for the Reds in 1914-1916. Um, he also got into a famous fight with Ty Cobb during the 1917 spring training. Um, what else we have here of situations? Uh, in 1920, a season saw his reputation tarnished by unsubstantiated accusations of gambling on baseball games. He then went on to manage the Easton Farmers and coach the United States Naval Academy baseball team. Then he worked on the railroad for Baltimore, Ohio, and at a racetrack. Penniless by the early 1950s, he died of tuberculosis in 1953. I did not think this is where this episode was going to go, ladies and gentlemen, but here we are. It's like a Pete Rose, Red Dead Redemption 2 <laughs> crossover. Like, what a weird... <laughs> He's also hit by a car in downtown Baltimore. This guy had a time. Oh my god, get that, get, get that guy a book. <laughs> they find that footage. Like, sir, it's the 1950s. <laughs> Back to the game. Brandon Belt is up. He hits one to deep left. Gordon gets it. Uh, Sandoval beats out the throw to Mustaka. So now you have runners on the corners of one out. That ends Guffrey's night, meaning it's the first game seven ever where the starters didn't get more than 30 and a third innings. Modern baseball, the khakis are loving it. <laughs> In comes Herrera. He hasn't allowed a homer since Connor Gillespie of the White Sox hit one on July 26, 2013. Guy, Connor Gillespie. <laughs> so, he's first batter he faces. Here comes Michael Morse. Broken bat base hit into right. One run scores. Pence will go to third. The throw comes And it's 3 2 Giants in the fourth. Right now, it's the little things. Sandoval tagging up on the bottom left field. Pence first to third right here. Sets him up nicely. And how strong is Mike Morse? Well, I said people think they can get the ball in on him because of his hands away from his body, but you see him pull him in on the swing. And what a job by Hunter Pence. No hesitation. No need to pick up the third base coach. Off and running the extra 90 feet. And he had no nothing in mind but drive that run in. As soon as he saw the ball, then it fall right through and put his arms up. He did his job. Moore's of a floating base hit in the right. Sandoval scores. Pence gets deferred. Runners on the corners again with one out. Giants look to continue that momentum with Crawford coming up to the plate, but he gets caught looking at a pitch in the outside corner. Painting the black at a casual 98 miles per hour for strike three. Perez then grounds out weakly to Escobar to end the inning. 3-2 Giants, but two runners are left on base at the top of the fourth inning. You know, it, they're lucky they got the runs because, uh, yeah, you get out Herrera, you're not getting that in. Exactly. We're starting to get to that point where the Royals' pen of doom is coming into play here. Bomb yep. of the fourth inning. Gordon, after a five-pitch at-bat, takes a looping curve off the back and heads to first base. Second hit batter. Lincecum's getting warmed up. Let's go. Oh, my. The young, young Jimmy Cobb was getting excited. <laughs> we already see the freak. Perez, first pitch, grounds into a double play to Panic Crawford and Belt, and you can see he's still slightly limping after taking that one off the leg earlier. It's an A5 on that, Perez. <laughs> 
Mustakas then comes up. He grounds up Sandoval to end the inning. Three up, three down. Three two Giants heading into the top of the fifth. We come back from break and uh oh, cue the Jaws music. Madison Bumgarner's warming up. <laughs> oh man, just vibes has never been higher if you're a Giants fan at this moment. Blanco flies to left. Gordon tracks back like he's going for an out route as a football receiver to get it. Panic then tries to button his first pitch. That's a foul tip to the ground and then layers a swing and miss. Posey then looks absolutely silly on 0-1 changeup. Then is caught looking inside pitch in the corner down and in on a 1-2 count to end the frame. Good Posey can catch. <laughs> yes. And well, bomb of the fifth inning as the inning ends. Here comes Madison Bumgarner. He only has a 4-0 record and a .29 ERA record in, ERA in his World Series appearances. It is the first relief outing since for Bumgarner since Game 6 of the 2010 NLCS when he beat Philly. Two innings pitch, that game, three hits, one walk, and one K. The last two pitchers to start twice in the series and then pitch in Game 7 in relief. Randy Johnson for Arizona in 2001 and C.J. Wilson for Texas in 2011. One worked, one didn't. <laughs> All three lefties. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this series at this point, Bumgarner as a starter, 2-0, .56 ERA, and a 127 opposition average. The rest of the starters in the Giants... 0-3, 992 ERA, and a 361 average. That's I, I'm not great at math, Lucas. You're gonna have to help me out. Not good. Bad. Bad. Coors, <laughs> Coors Field's uh, average ERA first week of the season. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I'll start things off. It isn't great for Madison. Infante hits one out to right field for a base hit. Escobar. Then shows bunt early, has to dive out of the way in the inside card a 1-0 pitch, then gets it laid down to Bumgarner, throws the first for the out. This is a tactic and a move that the booth debates for quite a bit. Uh, as to why is he... I was going to say, it's, it's a lot of it comes down to why are you bunting there when Bumgarner's kind of struggling a little bit. It, I mean, as it turns out, you're kind of... It's, it's Monday morning quarterbacking to an extent, but it's one of those... I guess because I guess Escobar had been hitting too. It's like okay, you're taking it out of his hand, but I'm guessing you're thinking other guys can cash him in. I guess. I, I guess it's all like it's Bumgarner, right? So it's a contact kind of guy. You're like, well, maybe we'll get a bloop, you mm. know? And yeah. So along those lines, Aoki hits one down the left field line, but Perez Juan Perez is able to chase that one down for the second out, and then Kane of a swing and miss up high to end the inning through five, three to two, with one runner left on base. The question now, I guess, is if you're watching, if you're a Royals fan, well, I'm hoping that's not our chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is, and if you're Bruce Bochy, you're like, well, it worked there. Hopefully, you know, tighten things up here, Madison. Mm-hmm. Top of the sixth inning, Sandoval hits a high pitch easily to the left for a single. He's on base for a third time tonight. As that's going on, Davis is warming up in the ballpen for the Royals. Pence then his stuff's that rally out. But first pitch double play, Escobar to Infante to Hosmer. The kids, didn't beat that out. <laughs> the kids will no longer want to be like Hunter Pence after that play. <laughs> uh, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Belt then hits one over the head of a leaping Infante for a base hit. He and Pence have become the first teammates to get a hit in every game of a seven-game World Series since Billy Martin and Hank Bauer, the 1956 New York Yankees. That's who I thought of. Yep, I knew that. <laughs> Big Hank Bauer fans we are in this podcast. <laughs> Morris then is caught looking on strike three. That ends the inning. 3-2 Giants have one left on base. This is definitely, like, it quickly became a game of, if you like offense, 
leave. <laughs> <laughs> in the bottom of the six, Spaz and Bumgarner now at 48 and two-thirds innings pitched in the postseason. That's the record of Kurt Schilling since 2001. Without giving too much away, he still has that record. <laughs> Shocker. Hosmer of a high pop-up to Crawford for the first out. Then a good six-pitch at-bat battle with Butler. Ends with a pop fly to Blanco in center. And they allowed, God damn it! <laughs> Butler watches that one go up in the air. <laughs> oh, Billy. Gordon then of a hard hit to center, but Blanco's there for the catch. Through six, still 3-2. We have some celebrities appearing at the top of the seventh inning. Jordy Nelson, Tom Watson, and George Brett. Let's remember some guys. Jordy Nelson, way too young for that celebrity segment. George, George Brett's like, give me a bat. Give me a bat. I got it. <laughs> Wade Davis comes in. Davis, no homers allowed as a reliever with the Royals. 360 batters face at that point, And he hasn't allowed an extra base hit since the end of July. Or he hadn't allowed an extra base hit until the end of July, I should say. That's all right. That's okay. That'll get it done. Crawford swings at a breaking ball for the first out. Perez is sent down with some 97 mile per hour heat. Blanco then shows bunt early, works the count full, then a grounder to Escarp. A nice play to get the out of Crow across his body. 3 2 as we head into the seventh inning stretch. Yeah, just a lot of, uh, you know, quick commercials hate this game. God, because <laughs> you know they love it, actually. What am I saying? More commercials, better money. Needs more pitching changes. Yep. Uh, Bomb of the seventh inning, the World Series trophy makes his first appearance. Ooh. Perez flies out the pence and right. And a wild Mark Gupska appears to talk about the Boys and Girls Club game delivery ball. Another guy you probably have no idea who it is, kids. Read your baseball reference and remember his registry for when you're playing Immaculate Grid. He's a gamer. <laughs> Musaka's then... Reaches out for a chop, reaches out to get one to chopper to Panda. A long throw is just able to get him out. Infante have a real hard hit down the left field line that goes just foul on 01 account or 01 count. Then looks absolutely silly as he sits down. Still three two Giants. And just like does Madison Bumgarner even sweating at this point? I don't a think little. so. <laughs> Maybe no, a little bit. Just, just dip. He's just sweating dip out of his pores. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Greg Holland's warming up in the pen to start the eighth inning. Panic watches one as goes in the outside corner. Down he goes. Posey, an easy ground out to Infante. Sandoval then hits one down the line and, die, and by a diving Moustakis for a double. And he's on base for the fourth time tonight. And the Pandas are happy. Overshadowed a bit in this because of Bumgarner is Sandoval's performance, by the way. I was just thinking, like, it is kind of crazy how it's just like, all right, yeah, whatever. It's the Madison Bumgarner game. Pablo. Not bad. Earn, I think he earns a big contract, and he probably lives that contract there well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like foreshadowing Lucas. Pence, with a, on a nasty pitch, swings and misses to start off the at-bat, and then it grounds out to Infante. Runner left on base, top of eight, it is still 3-2. to two. Just pitch it, man. Speak, gotta love it. Speaking of pitching... Escobar is called out on a strike three by the first base on a high pitch check swing. Uh, Ioki then grounds out to Crawford a second out. This Saturday, don't forget to watch Stanford and Oregon. Joe, nobody's giving a damn about the college football scene at this point in the proceedings. Go Ducks. <laughs> that brings up the last batter, potentially at the bottom of the eighth, facing two outs, Lorenzo Kane. Popped him up. Got it in on the hands. Panic. The eighth, and the ninth inning rolls in. 
Wow. But all you can say from Madison Bumgarner. Wow. Three two Giants after eight in game seven. And yes, it was the last batter of the eighth inning. Seven pitch at bat, he flies out to panic, and you can hear the disbelief in Joe Buck. Twelve straight batters have sat down after that first hit. It is three to two for the Giants. As Bumgarner joined Cy Young in 1903 and George Mullen in 1909 as pitchers of two wins and three or more innings in relief in a World Series. Joe Buck loves to just like re put it out there. Hey, this thing that you're watching, I don't know if you know, but it's happened. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Top of the ninth inning, Greg Holland is now in for the Royals. Belt grounds out to Infante. Morse looks silly chasing after a breaking ball outside. And then Crawford, a full count worked, but in the six pitch at bat, Holland strikes him out. So it's 3 2 Giants. Santiago Castilla is warming up to start at the bottom of the ninth. Something is going to have to go terribly wrong, I think, for him to go in this game. I would think so. That, they should have had Timmy warming up. I'm just, you know, just going to say it. Should have had Timmy warming up. Timmy should have started. Anyway. True. Um, Armchair. <laughs> listen to me. I don't know. <laughs> Look, my shirt is going to increase in value. Anyway. <laughs> Cosmer sits down at a five-pitch at-bat on a nasty 92-mile-per-hour high fastball. Three-pitch at-bat for Butler. He pops it up to belt and foul territory. Two outs. That brings up Alex Gordon. Popped up back and out of play and right now even though the Giants took the lead while Affeld was in there the official score is telling us that the win would go to Madison Bumgarner which would make him 3-0 in this World Series. Here's the 0-1. That's in the air to left center. That ball is down. Salvador Perez drilled by a pitch back in the second. 
The left leg almost couldn't continue, and here he is. Continues to climb the ladder for his outpitch, and they continue to chase it. Tying run at third, two out, ninth inning. The one-two. Two and two. Bumgarner now up to 66 pitches here out of the bullpen in game seven. quite a lot to discuss here. Gordon hits one out to left center. It bounces in front of Bronco and rolls out to the wall where Perez bobbles it and that allows Gordon to get in on a stand-up triple. Nerve. We're <laughs> like hair standing up. Everyone's standing up just oh, setting up the scene of every kid's dream mm-hmm. for Salvi Perez at half his knee. <laughs> I guess there's some, some talk after the fact like would you have sent Gordon I'm like there is no way <laughs> oh my goodness that would be like okay I'm not a big Ned Yost fan as mentioned no he's not sending Gordon maybe anyone else well not anyone else poor Mike Moustakis can't run that fast yeah I <laughs> send Billy yeah. Butler for the lulls <laughs> I mean, just for the vibes. The only one I could really see is really low cane. Yeah. Or if, like, if for some reason, 
Terrence Gore was batting, which he would never because he just wanted, like, could he stand at third base and tag him like like a relay race? It'd be interesting. It should. So Perez comes up, 1-1 pitch. is another nasty one up the ladder on a high fastball that he has sent, and then later on it goes and up high into foul territory. Sandoval's there. That's that. Make the final. Giants 3, Royals 2. Third World Series title in the last five years. Eight overall if you count the five they won in New York for moving prior to 1958. And the first team to win a Game 7 on the road since Pittsburgh beat Baltimore in 1979. Since then, the other Game 7s, all road winners. Huh. It's, they set a trend. Trendsetters. I guess so. Any thoughts on the Perez at bat? I mean, now, once you saw the hit going up high, it's like, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, a part of me thought that Posey was going to run out there and steal it. A little bit. I was like, Posey kind of might want that, but then, no, he wanted his nice bear hug with uh, Matt Bum, and uh, Sandoval got his uh, big moment. Well, one of his big moments. Exactly. Um, in terms of the stats in this game, we'll start with the Royals first. Gordon goes two for three, but double an RBI. Guthrie is three and a third innings, four hits, three runs, and three Ks. Herrera, Davis, and Holland combine for four hits allowed and nine Ks of shutout ball. Herrera allows no homers in 2014. The first homer he gave up would be on May 5th, 2015 to Lonnie Hall of Cleveland. Hi. Oh, my goodness. Lonnie. I haven't thought about that guy in a long time. We also mentioned that Davis hadn't given up any homers since being a Royal reliever. Prior to that, his last that he allowed was the Ian Desmond of Washington August 24, 2013. His no homers allows being a reliever would last till August 5th, 2015 when Jose Bautista hit one for Toronto. Huh, could hit some more. <laughs> and the, the Giants stats department. Morris, one for three of two RBI. Sandoval, three for three of a double. Hudson goes one and two-thirds innings of three hits, two earned runs, one K, and one walk on 28 pitches. The shortest outing for a pitcher in a Game 7 since Bob Turley of New York in 1960. Darvish also went 1-2 thirds for L.A. in 2017. Jeremy, now, go were ahead. The Royals, were the Royals uh, buzzers? That's what killed Darvish. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, people are not asking this. <laughs> Embrace the controversy. Yes. FL 2 and a third innings to get the win on one hit. You had heard mentioned in the postgame stuff or to Indy Gordon at bat, that Bumgarner, the official score, saying he would get the win. That obviously changed. FL 23 and a third straight scoreless postseason innings, the longest by a left-handed reliever. Bumgarner in relief, two hits, four strikeouts, shockingly earns MVP honors. Yeah, I just, you know, sure, whatever. Give it to Matt. <laughs> no, no, you, yeah, you can't get it. I, I, just, I love that he got the save. Just two in save. Like, oh, love it. After Bud Selig presents his final World Series trophy, it is time to remember some memes as Rick Wilde of Chevrolet steals the darn show. It's the best award ever. It's the Chevrolet MVP. <laughs> and it... Just listen, kids. Now, to present the MVP award presented by Chevrolet, we have from Chevrolet, the regional zone manager, Rick Wilde. Thanks. Madison, congratulations. Um, as the official sponsor or the official vehicle of Major League Baseball, Chevrolet is proud to participate in this uh, prestigious award. Um, along with our dealers, we are also extremely honored to give back to this sport uh, by supporting baseball in cities and towns across this nation. 
at Chevrolet, we have um, we have also been proud of the latest and greatest uh, technology in our truck lineup, which is the all-new 2015 uh, Chevy Colorado. Um, it combines class-winning and leading, um, you know, technology and stuff with uh, Wi-Fi powered by OnStar, sitting there on the screen, to recognize your performance in this 2014 World Series. I proudly present to you very own set of keys to a brand new 2015 uh, Chevy Colorado. Congratulations. Congratulations. Technology and stuff, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you sell a product. <laughs> you know, I I don't, I should have looked it up. Did he, does he still work for Chevrolet? Because he shouldn't. Or if he does, it's in a back room somewhere. Well, I believe he's pretty much a regional dealer. So I'm okay. thinking that it's one of those last minute situations. I didn't know I was like I didn't know I was going on TV kind of thing and yeah man that's uh, he is he's still working uh, for Chevy I I'm assuming as that regional role in Kansas more than anything yeah that's uh he, I bet he sells a mean truck <laughs> it's got technology and stuff man <laughs> so all the time also another fun fact from this game you may have noticed no offense no round trippers in this game that's the first time that happened in a game seven since. Well, 2002, when the Angels won 4-1 over the Giants. Prior to that, you have to go back to the 10-inning Braves-Twins Classic in 1991. That was a 1-0 win for Minnesota. Chicks dig the strikeouts, apparently. <laughs> Your series stats. Starting off with the Royals, Billy Butler played five games in the series, 5-15 for 3.33 batting average, double and free RBIs. Sal Perez, 8-24, 3.33, a double homer and four RBIs. Omar Infante had five RBIs to lead that department for the Royals with three doubles, a homer, and a 318 batting average. Giordano Ventura, 2 0, 146 ERA, six strikeouts, five walks, 12, two earned runs, 11 hits allowed, and 12 and a, 13, and 12 and a third innings. As for the Giants stat leaders, Pence, 12 of 27, 444, three doubles, a homer, and five RBIs. Sandoval, 12 of 28, 429, three doubles, and four RBIs. And then Baumgartner. 0.43 ERA, 2-0 record, 17 Ks, 1 walk, 1 earned run, and 9 hits allowed in 21 innings of work. Yeah. Is that good? Like, it's just, is that, I don't think we're asking that enough. Is that good? Tough to say. Yeah. So it's time to look at year-end awards, or as we call this segment, let's remember some guys. In the American League, your MVP... <laughs> Unanimous, Mike Trout, followed by Victor Martinez, Michael Brantley, Jose Abreu, and Robinson Cano. Alex Gordon was the highest royal in 12th. In the NL was Clayton Kershaw over Giancarlo Stanton, Andrew McCutcheon, Jonathan Lucroy, and Anthony Rendon. Posey was 6th in the voting. Anthony Rendon, noted baseball lover. <laughs> he hadn't become jaded like us, like an old hobo here. <laughs> On the side, Young, Corey Kluber, Windsor, Felix Hernandez, Chris Sale, John Lester, and Max Scherzer, Davis, and Holland were 8th and ninth. In the NL voting, Kershaw wins over Johnny Cueto, Adam Wainwright, Mad Bum, and Jordan Zimmerman. Kershaw becomes the first NL player to double up on an MVP and Cy Young since Bob Gibson, 1968. You know, if only uh, awards won championships. <laughs> Rookie of the Year, Jose Abreu wins over Matt Shoemaker, Dylan Batances, Colin Mahue, and Masahiro Tanaka Ventura ends up six. In the NL, Jacob DeGron over Billy Hamilton. He would have scored in that play. Colton Wan, Ken Giles, and Ender Encin- Oh, I'm going to butcher it. 
Ender and Sarante. Joe Panic was six in the voting. Man, what a yeah, guys. <laughs> Manager of the Year, everyone's favorite award. Buck Showalter wins in the American League over Mike Sosha, Ned Yost, Lloyd McClendon, and Terry Francona. In the NL, Matt Williams wins over Clint Hurdle, Bruce Boshi, Mike Matheny, and Mike Redmond. If Buck Showalter was the manager of the Giants, Matt Bum would have wound up in the all game in the play, in the bullpen waiting to come in. <laughs> what could you be referring to? Anyway. <laughs> so what happened with these teams going forward? We'll start with the Giants. As mentioned and alluded to a few times, Sandoval, that's his final game with the Giants. Well, at this point, he is at camp this year. He signs with Boston, and, well, things kind of go pear-shaped. Yeah, that's a, a very nice way of saying it, Lucas. <laughs> uh, PV re-signs. Noria Yoki comes over from the Royals as a free agent. Casey McGeehee, or Casey McGeehee is acquired from the Marlins for Kenji Flores and Luis Castillo, but he doesn't last too long. In 2015, they're second again, but at 84 and 78 are eight back of L.A. and well out of the wild card race. Injuries played a big part of the season, not going too well there. Um, Matt Duffy, guy, second in Rookie of the Year, voting to Chris Bryant. Before the 15th season, Bryant Stavis promoted to EVP of Baseball Operations. Bobby Evans becomes GM until 2018. Stavis stays with the team until he joins the Yankees as executive advisor to Bryant Cashman last January. In the postseason sense for the Giants. Well, their next appearance would be in 2016. They beat the Mets in a wildcard game, but lose the eventual World Series game with Chicago Cubs in four games. Bruce Boshi retires in the 2019 season. We'll get back to him in a minute. In 2021, the Giants go 107-55. Their most wins in franchise history. Gabe Kaplan's manager of the year, but lose in Game 5 the NLDS to the Dodgers. Boshi returns to managing in 2023 with the Rangers and helps them win their first World Series and becomes the fifth manager to win the World Series of multiple teams, joining Bucky Harris, 1924 Washington, 1947 Yankees, Bill McKechnie, the 25 Pirates and 40 Reds, Sparky Anderson, the 75 and 76 Reds and the 84 Tigers, and Tony La Russa, the 89 A's and the 06-11 Cardinals. And, fun fact, Bochy becomes the first team to win a World Series with a team that he previously beat. We need more Sparky Anderson. Sorry, that's not what I should take out of that. We need more. Well, yes, we Sparky. need more Sparky Anderson. We need more '84 Tigers content on this show. Yeah, we need more people named Sparky. Uh, any thoughts on the Giants' kind of post World Series here? It just felt like the 2014 one was the last hurrah. I mean, it's so easy to say that now, but it was. They each gave so much of themselves for that three-year run that the magic was going to run out eventually. Uh, you don't get the, the core four run that the Yankees had, stuff like that. And it just felt like the magic kind of uh, went out into the bay at San Francisco, and uh, that was it kind of for them. As for the Royals, the offseason quite a lot changes. James Shields signs with San Diego, Billy Butler with Oakland, Scott Downs, guy, and some of Cleveland. Josh Willingham and Arul Abanez both retire. They do sign Kenji Morales, Alex Rios, Chris Medlin, Edison Volquez, and Chris Young. During the season, they trade Brandon Finnegan, John Lamb, and Cody Reed to Cincinnati for Johnny Cueto. And they also sent Aaron Brooks and Sean Manaya to Oakland for Ben Zobrist. In his 15th season, 95-67 to win the Central for their first pennant since 1985. Third most wins in franchise history, joining the 97-win team in 1980 and 102-win team in 1977. Locaine ends up third in MVP voting that year behind Josh Donaldson and Mike Trout. Which brings us to the 2015 playoffs. James is now plugging his ears. They beat the Astros in five games. Down 6-2 after seven innings in game four. They score four, five unanswered runs. They then beat the Jays in six games. 
and the Mets in five for the first house in 1985. Among the Dramatics in the World Series, Alex Gordon with a solo shot in the ninth inning to tie the game, get one at four, and a sack fly by Hosmer in the 14th. The Mets are up 2-0 in game five in the ninth inning. The Royals then tie it and score five runs in the 12th to capture the championship. Also becoming the first team to win the World Series after losing the year before since the Oakland Athletics in 1989. Games. Postseason sensor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can give that, uh, that Royals team in 2015, it was as annoying as it was as a Jays fan, a special, a special group that committed to small ball, committed to their brand of baseball, and it worked. And uh, as jaded as people could be in Canada, that was a pretty special team that won. And, uh, yeah, they deserve their props. And I'm just glad Johnny Cueto pitched like crap against the Blue Jays. <laughs> I mean, I, I, love, I love Johnny Cueto, but uh, they, the Blue Jays won their World Series by shelling Johnny Cueto. The postseason sense for the Royals? None. They go 81-81, wow, in 2016 and 80-82 in 2017. Uh, in 80-82, they end up right back of the Twins, five back for a wildcard game spot, tied with the Angels and Rays for that position. They were also six back of the Jays uh, in the 2020 season for a playoff spot at 26-34 in the weird COVID year. Uh, Yost retires in the 2019 season with 746 wins, the Royals' record as a manager. Moore remains the GM until 2021 as president of baseball operations after that season. J.J. Piccolo takes over as GM. Moore is fired at the end of 2022 season and ends up in Texas as a senior advisor for baseball operations. He got his ring. He got his second ring. <laughs> it all rolls into one, ladies and gentlemen. The manager that beat him, he helped him win. <laughs> exactly. So, um, in terms of, well, you hate the Royals at this point, at this time frame, but looking back on it, again, it does feel like, it's sort of like the Tigers in a way, where you have that brief run, the Tigers a little bit more than a brief run, but especially for those central teams, it feels like once they have those runs, Cleveland's like this, it takes a bit to get back. It's the, those small market teams, right, or the perceived small market teams, and the Royals are starting to make the right moves again, but, uh, They've got the forever Bears will fly in 2015, and I'll forever remember right before the trade deadline. I forget what year it was. Pardon me, Lucas, but it was there was Gordon, um, all of the I, I'm not going to name drop everyone. Hosmer, Mustakas, I guess I am Perez. They all got together one last time in the field, and then a bunch of them were traded away. But it was it was an end of an era in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I know the answer to this, James. But is this game one that you'd recommend people go and watch? I mean, just if you like pitching, you have to go watch this. Just to watch Mad Bum, he kind of he used all the juice he had left in his career in this one game, and I don't think he would take it back at all. But yeah, you got to go back and rewatch this one. Yeah, I'd recommend this one as well, especially for the Mad Bum performance. And I mean, the finish, especially with the Gordon hit and that kind of thing. Live, I remember going, oh my God. So that's it a pretty was, dramatic finish. It was a sweaty sure. game, yeah. Even if he had no dogs in the fight, it was sweaty. Mm-hmm. It's not as insane as 2016 Game 7, what is. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely one that's uh, worth going back to watch for sure. I assume 2016 Game 7 is one that you've got. Have you done already? Pardon me, Lucas, if you have. But it's on the master list. I, I don't know if it's going to be done this year or not, but at some point down the line, I'm sure it'll come up. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, oh, even the final, the rain out. 
spend half an hour of the raid delay. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. And spoilers alert, kids. If you ever do that game, it will be the Matt Vaskurge and Buck Martinez feat. Good. Vaskurge has a goddamn stroke, and I love it. <laughs> I've only, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever listened to that call. Oh! But I, I only ever listened to Buck, and, um, I mean, that's the, the or Joe Buck, that's the famous call of, like, it's going to be a tough play, Brian, and then they win. But yeah, yeah that's. Uh, I might have to listen to the Buck and Matt Vaskurgeon. The, uh, the, the call on the Davis homer by Vaskurgeon is an all-timer. But again, spoilers for that episode down the line. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, James, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being on the program here. Uh, you'll be on again at some point, I'm sure. I'm not sure when exactly. It won't probably be to like at least next year with the way the schedule's worked out. But I'm sure I'll be making a cameo appearance with you and your partner in crime, Nathaniel, at some point here as well. So we'll touch base at some point here. A thousand percent. I'll start getting games uh, dialed up and you start getting some wacky uh, trade predictions for the WHL offseason. We'll see about that. Might be more an import draft ideas. <laughs> Here's this Latvian I think would be a good fit in Prince George. <laughs> Anywho. The info we need. Yes. If you want to hear other episodes of the program, you can. Just search for Let's Remember Some Sports Podcast on your favorite provider. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon. Bruce Pochi in his eighth year as manager of the San Francisco Giants now has... His third world championship, Brian Sabian, the general manager, the architect, putting these teams together, moving parts, switching pieces. We'll let that celebration play out in the middle of this diamond. But guys, it's hard to put into words and into perspective what we saw this postseason, let alone this World Series from Madison Bumgarner. I'm just in awe. I mean, truly great history is not subtle. It smacks you in the face. You know it at the time you're watching it. You're seeing something that's in the ages. And that's what we saw watching Madison Bumgarner pitch. I've never seen anything like it. I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. Especially in this day and age where the pitch count is so important and so impressed in our game. To see him run the ball to not come out of a game. It's incredible. Did you see that little look that Buster Posey gave Madison Bumgarner when that pitch was popped up into the air? And who more appropriate to catch it than Pablo Sandoval, the free agent to be? He got their offense started all night long. We go down to the field. With Madison Bumgarner and Ken Rosenthal. Thanks, Joe. Madison, you told me earlier today that this was not going to be that big a deal. But when you came to the park, how many innings did you reali- realistically expect to pitch? In- innings wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking about innings or pitch count. I was just thinking about getting outs. Getting outs. Thanks, buddy. I love you. Getting outs until I couldn't get them anymore and we needed someone else. So, uh, you know, fortunately, we was able to get some quick innings and I was able to, to, to stay in there. Now that you've done it, what was it like? What was the difference between this and starting? Well, you know, there's not near as much time to dial it in. And, uh, you know, that was the biggest thing for me. It was, uh, you know, I had a half inning to, to start getting up and getting loose and, and uh, throwing all the pitches and stuff. So that was that was different, you know, not having as much time. But, uh, you know, luckily we was able to, to squeak by. You end up throwing 270 innings on the season, over 50 in the postseason. How tired are you right now? Right now, I'm not tired at all, man. <laughs> we just won the World Series. It's hard to be tired right now. 
probably tomorrow I'll be tired now. All right, Madison. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you.